Beyond the Rim of the Starlight, you'll find the Inglorious Trexperts. Hey, hey, this is Chase Masterson, host of Disco Nights, inviting you to join us every Sunday as the disco party continues with our fabulous guests. Like us. Like us. Like you. And you, our audience. So we'll see you here next Sunday night. Bring your disco shoes. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by Jodorowsky's Dune producer Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, where they explore some of the greatest movies that were never made, from E.T. 2 to Tim Burton's Superman, Night Skies to Star Trek The Academy Years. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are, if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you never saw before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this week on the 430 movie, it's... Guilty. 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 Pleasures. It's Guilty Pleasures Week on the 430 movie. And uh, before we banish you to the Phantom Zone, uh, we have, um, let me introduce you to your curators of this fine week. You may lose a lot of respect for us this week because we're going to do some deep dives into some (laughs) deeply guilty pleasures. And, uh, you know, um, we have once again joining us Steve Melching. Welcome. Darren Dockerman. Watch them take the pleasures from the cinema that once corrupted men. <laughs> and Ashley Edward Miller. Jabo jabo. Of course, I'm uh, I'm Mark A. Altman, and um, uh, this is Guilty Pleasures Week. So welcome, guys. Uh, what is a guilty pleasure? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> Ashley and I were, were talking about that, and you know, it's funny. I, I sat down to to kind of think about what. Movies. I, 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 I this is this a hard easy. one. I thought this would be totally easy. Yeah. Like, I like I like lots of terrible movies. <laughs> I sat uh-huh. down and looked at the, my, the, my uh, movies. And I'm like, I don't feel so guilty about that one. Or you know, yeah. I, I I think the, the the core of this is that the guilt isn't all that much, and the pleasure isn't really all that pleasurable. It's sort of like in between. <laughs> so funny, like, cheap ahead, scotch. Um, <laughs> I. It was hard for me, but for a completely different reason. I mean, number one, I'm a sociopath, so like no guilt. <laughs> Secondly, every week it's every week is it exactly that's the thing. It's like oh, it's Ashley week on the 4:30 movie, <laughs> right? Oh, everybody's going to pick you know what Ashley would pick, except I guess that means I have to pick you know something normal Wars, mainstream, yeah, you know, um, like Empire Strikes Back for for Love Story week, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm at, I'm at a loss. I, I'll tell you, I, I had a similar uh, reaction. You know, I said, oh, guilty pleasures. I have so many guilty pleasures. Yeah. And I started looking at them, and it was Not really, really, yeah. really difficult. You know, and I mean, it was like something like, uh, I'll say it right now, Starship Troopers, which is a movie I love. But then I said, you know, I'm not that guilty about it. Yeah. You know, it, just because it got terrible reviews and didn't do well, and a lot of people think it's awful, doesn't mean I'm guilty. I, I, I will defend that movie. I, I'm Paul Verhoeven is a first-class filmmaker, and um, you know uh, it, it's a really dark satire. That doesn't make it a guilty pleasure. You know, to me, a guilty pleasure is a movie you know is bad. It's bad, but you love it. You anyway. love it anyway. Yeah, that that to me is really what, a, what the definition of a, a guilty pleasure. I think a good movie that maybe people don't love. Well, they're wrong. Yeah, right? right, you know, <laughs> no guilt well, that. yeah, I mean, you Just know, when I smug week is what <laughs> smug week. <laughs> when I when I uh, to, to go back to this this old saw again, when I went to film school, uh, that was the first time I was exposed to the classics of world cinema history. You know, the the masterpieces, and uh, I went through a phase where I, I had a complex relationship with some of the movies that I grew up loving because I thought, well, this. You know, after seeing Antonioni and Truffaut and Ozu and Sayajit Ray and Herzog and all these great filmmakers, Wells and Wilder, like these movies are are kind of bad compared to those. Like maybe I can't like them anymore. And, Freaky Friday isn't the classic yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. And, and, but then I had a professor had said something like, "What you were getting at, like um, it's okay to love a bad movie." And it's just similarly, it's okay to dislike a great movie, mm-hmm. but it's important to know the difference. Right. Oh, that's, you know, hey, that, that brings up a really good point. And it's a little off topic, but that's the show, isn't it? Um, what's a, a movie classic 
that you just don't like? Like a movie that's considered like one of these legendary movies of 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 um, that you know beloved or or just extolled as just you know uh, a brilliant movie that you just think eh, I don't get it. No, this is you're gonna wince when I say I, this. I think you're gonna wince with mine too. Go ahead, Chinatown. Really, I like it. Wow, I don't love it. I don't enjoy watching it. I know it's a masterpiece. It's it's a great film. I just don't really enjoy watching it. I don't really like it's it. It's not. I'm not wincing. I'm more surprised. I know. I, it surprised me too. I, because you know, obviously, I love Chinatown. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And um, I'm just. I'm really. And I know how much you love noir. I like like noir. I love noir. Yeah, no. I really. You know, maybe if I watch it now. I Have you seen watched it, in it recently? Years. Not in not in the last five or ten years, but. Man, I mean, I, I own it. <laughs> you know, really a, always. Like I say, it's a. I know it's a masterpiece. I respect. You know the scholarship on it. It's it's extremely well made. Wow, isn't Great that cast. isn't that interesting? Yeah. What a, what an interesting choice. I'm 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 fascinated by that. I, I, <laughs> and I had no intention of asking that question. I'm really yeah, yeah, glad yeah. I did. Darren, well, what about you? You're gonna hate this one if it's a Woody Allen movie. No, it's not. Oh, okay, good. Casablanca. Really? Yeah. Wow. You guys are too this is like therapy. <laughs> this is fascinating. Because. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's really cartoony. Oh my god! Because it's become so iconic. Agreed. You know, and that's why. But I'm wow. living here and now, and I have to go with my entire reaction to the wow. whole thing. Wow! Listen you know, to that. It's all these c words, <laughs> which I have a c word for you both. But no, I. That's that's. But you know, I I enjoy it and I like it. I just don't love it. Right. Wow! Isn't that interesting? Huh? Because I, you know, I never find uh, Bogart to be convincing in the movie. In that movie or in general? No, no, no. just in that movie. Wow! Isn't that interesting? It's, it's interesting, I'm, and I don't I, know I, why. This is a fascinating conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never. Wow! wow. I, Chinatown and Casablanca. That's a guilty not displeasure. Guilty displeasure. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, <laughs> guilty about not liking Chinatown. This is a movie. Guilty yeah. displeasures. Um, okay, well now we okay, come to the person I would have expected that answer from. <laughs> uh, and, and funny because I love both of those movies. Sure, high five um, right here. Up high. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're at that table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, the, we're at the kids' table. All right. So um, yeah, I'm about to get kicked out of this table. So in the spirit in which you you offer those responses, movies that uh, that you that you appreciate and recognize kind of the, the greatness of those of those films, but don't love them. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm probably going to get kicked off this podcast. Two thousand one. Okay. Wow, Ooh. this is fascinating. Which this is crazy. I completely admire as a film. I think Kubrick is unquestionably a genius, a genius. Um, but I find it so sterile and difficult um, to access mm -hmm. emotionally that I can't say that I actually enjoy enjoy it so much as I, I just appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't kick you off the podcast. I think that's fine. And it's one of my favorite movies. That's that's part of the magic of being on this on this 430 movie thing of ours. <laughs> this thing of ours. <laughs> this thing of this thing, thing of ours. of yours. Thing of ours. God, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I mean, I, I find that you know, especially because you know, having you worked, uh, you know, in the sciences as an engineer and, and being I, I a huge science fiction fan, and I get it because when I was a kid, I remember watching the first time I saw two thousand one. Arguably, not the best way to watch it was on the ABC Sunday Night Movie, nope, right? And <laughs> yeah. I literally turned it off because I'm like, enough with the monkeys. Where's Charles Heston? Yeah. You know, it was like I was just not digging. You know, it was like going on forever. I remember my dad and I were watching, and we're just like, is this ever going to end? And uh, and and you know, I look obviously. The next time I saw it was at the Cinerama Dome, right. where I fell in love with it and realized what an incredible film it was. But isn't that well, interesting? Yeah, and, you know, I, yeah, like you said, I love film noir and 70s film, and I'm not crazy about Chinatown. And Darren tends to like films that are, I would say, maybe a little more traditional, old-fashioned sure, in absolutely. a way, and doesn't care for Casablanca. That's just how wacky we all are. That's yeah, right. but you Mark, know what? Now you have yeah. to sit under yeah, the hot man. seat. Yeah. But but here's the thing, <laughs> yeah. you know we That's we all line. we all we all um, you know it doesn't mean we're not friends. No, you no, know? no, it no. doesn't mean we're never going to talk to each other again. That we you know you throw slings and arrows. I mean, this is the world we live in, isn't it? Where you just people can't tolerate a conflicting yeah. opinion. 
you know, now, like, when somebody has a conflicting opinion that hurts me or my family, that is one thing, you know, in terms of politics, right? But, uh, you know, just the fact that people are not willing to tolerate people who have um, an opinion. Different taste or a different opinion. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's like, it, and, and people are so, yeah, it, it goes back, like you said, to, to this tribalism. Um, we're, we need to be at a, at a part where we can say, you're wrong, but you're not bad. Right. Right. And look, and then stand by and defend your position. Like, yeah. I could sit here and we could spend the next hour, I can tell you why I think Casablanca is a masterpiece, and you could say this is why I don't like it. Absolutely. And everything you said makes sense. Same same thing with Chinatown. Yeah. I would probably agree with everything you said that makes it great. I just don't really enjoy watching it. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to say anything about the other one. I'm <laughs> <laughs> goddamn wrong. That, that, uh, no, I, I understand where Ashley's coming from. I, I find it can 2001 can be a little cold and sterile and and difficult to get into but i just find myself sort of magnetically drawn into it in a way it's it's so funny it's like it, it is one of the reasons why i don't like to come i'm not exactly overly prepared for these 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 podcasts because it's like i just thought of that question off the top of my head and it just it opened up a I, not a can of worms but just a really fa- at least to me i don't know the audience could be like <laughs> who cares what you you know but uh i think really 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 fascinating um, but what's your what's yours? Well, you know, look, I think I mentioned on a previous episode um, that I'm not a huge fan of Grapes of Wrath, John Ford's Grapes of Wrath, which is considered, you know, a classic. But that's almost an, an easy way out. Let me say something more controversial. Um, what's your favorite movies? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me your favorites. I'll tell you why I hate them. I, I, I you know, I, I think I'd have to say um, Mean Streets. Oh, okay. I don't okay. love Mean Streets, and I'm a big Scorsese fan. Um, but uh, not 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 a huge fan of, of Mean Streets, and I probably, if we had more time, you know, if I thought about it, I probably might have a better answer. But um, <laughs> movies we don't like on the fourth <laughs> I think you know what a, the funny that's thing a is. Valid week. <laughs> it's a totally valid week. What's really fascinating about this exercise is we're naming these movies, and now we're about to do the guilty pleasures, right? Yeah. And like the contrast, right? right? Uh, we need to be yes. held responsible right. for like Absolutely. these you, these you things. You didn't like Chinatown, but you love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with you? I, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, God, it's, it's it, it ain't that the truth, right? I mean, like we've all, we, these are all movies that are considered, you know, not just classics, but by a lot of people masterpieces. Whether it be mm-hmm. Chinatown, yeah. uh, Casablanca, Two Thousand One, Mean Streets, and it's it's interesting that uh, you know, um, and I'm, I'm sure there there are many more movies uh, that, uh, and then you know, it's always interesting to hear these sort of seminal movies that come up that we haven't scene right like you know you you said in a lot you know a couple recent episode happens more often with ashley yeah but you know whatever and uh, yeah but i've seen a lot more crap than you have that's true that's true true. and liked a whole lot lot. (laughs) that's 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 uh, true so okay so today we're talking about guilty pleasures these are movies that we love that are generally not considered very good movies and probably we may not even consider very good movies but we love them despite themselves that's why that's why that's why we've been found guilty and it's funny because Steve almost wasn't going to be able to join us today for this podcast because he was going to go to jury duty. Fortunately, they didn't need him, yes. so um, we, we he, he dodged a bullet, so to speak. Um, but now you get to render a verdict on a whole <laughs> different group of films. So, um, yes. Steve, uh, Steve Melching, Monday, what's okay, your guilty well, pleasure? This was a like I said, this is a this was a tricky one. I, I narrowed it down to two. And then the one I think I'm going to go with is a movie that um, Gene Siskel said uh, it looked like the costumes were by General Dynamics. <laughs> and Roger Ebert said it looks as if the star was uh, outfitted by a closeout sale at the weapons store. I'm talking about 1985's Commando. Mm. Dude. They hunted him down. You know, Colonel, we went to a lot of trouble to find you. They murdered his friends. And they took the only thing he would kill for. If you want your kid back, then you gotta cooperate. Right? Wrong. Now, somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. Do you think that he is going to give us any problems? You'll do exactly as he's told. Last of the way, you fellas. You're a funny guy, Sally. That's why I'm going to kill you last. Are you going to tell me what's going on or what? No. 
Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. What are you doing? Helping you get her back. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. Uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Ray Don Chong, Vernon Wells, uh, uh, Dan Hedaya, Alyssa Milano, Bill Duke, David Patrick Kelly. There's nothing to feel guilty about, Commando. Mm. You said you'd kill me later. I lied. <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I like Sally. Directed by Mark Lester. Uh, Mark Lester. Yeah. It was uh, originally, I believe, written by Jeff Loeb, who I worked yes. for at Marvel. Uh, and then uh, subsequently rewritten by Stephen D'Souza and Matthew What has he Weissman. ever done? <laughs> Produced by Joel Silver. And uh, yeah, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a commando, uh, retired commando living in the mountains of uh, outside of and Los Angeles. And apparently he goes commando quite a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it starts out so, well, it starts out with a little sequence where uh, his former commando buddies are being assassinated around the right. city with lots of like dry one-liners. Uh, and then we cut to Schwarzenegger trudging through the mountains carrying a chainsaw and a gigantic log on his shoulder <laughs> while this, this awesome James Horner steel drum music starts playing. And and then uh, we meet his young, his daughter played by Alyssa Milano. And then there's a cheesy sequence where they're like eating ice cream and feeding a deer and <laughs> and, and sweeping each other up in big hugs. And... Actually, I want to see if they're sweeping each other up. Alyssa Milano, tiny Alyssa Milano. <laughs> sweeping up Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> You'll make me feel like the best dad. And then, of course, reality <laughs> crashes down on Arnold as uh, these uh, bad guys uh, decide to uh, kidnap his daughter in order to blackmail him into going down to their uh, Central American country and assassinating the pre- El Presidente so that Dan Hedaya can take retake control of his country. I think he was a, 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 a dictator that was ousted, but he wants his country back. Um, and... Uh, it's 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 <sighs> it puts the tack in craptacular. <laughs> it's really goofy. It's goofy as hell. It's but it's got some really entertaining dialogue in it. Like you know, like Mark just quoted, I lied. My friend is dead tired. He's dead tired, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's so many great ones. Uh you know uh, that movie. Probably defines more, the 80s to me. Yeah. I mean, there is no more movie that's more 80s than Commando. The firepower in that. I mean, that's like the <laughs> pinnacle of like the muscle man with machine guns and knives and, and pistols and fisticuffs. It's and, the McBain of the 80s. He yeah. is McBain. I think <laughs> yes. McBain is based Absolutely. on that character. Yeah. You know, yeah. As much as you like to say that it puts the crap in craptacular, it also puts the man in Commando. Uh, you know, I <laughs> just the sheer testosterone of that film. Um, yeah. You know, the body the, uh, count. There was a, a great, and I don't know, these weird things that sort of stick in our brains, but I remember watching um, an Entertainment Tonight episode where they had like this thing about Commando, and there was this interview with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger on the set of Commando. <laughs> <laughs> and he was talking about how, yeah, it's so violent. And like there are these things that he wanted to do that they wouldn't let him do. Like, I wanted to rip somebody's arm off and beat him to death with the bloody stump. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, I have to see this movie. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so great. And Vernon, I love like Vernon Wells uh, plays the, the sort of the lead heavy villain. And he, he was best known as, yeah, Wes from The Road Warrior. <laughs> Who was also insane. Yes. And I wanted to, he was a former commando buddy of Arnold's. I'm like, they're like these U.S. commando teams, but there's like an, an Austrian and an Australian. Like, Put it in, John. <laughs> I don't so need weird. the girl. Okay. You know what this ties in? And, and he wears like this this <laughs> macrame. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be chain mail, but it's not. It it's looks like he not. knitted it himself. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. This, this ties into um, my original question about movies, you know, you don't love that, that people consider classics. Well, I have to admit, like, I like Commando a lot more than Predator. Like, I don't love Predator. Well, I, that, was, that was my next point. Uh, I, I don't know, about 15 years ago or so, I had a, some friends over. I think Darren might have been there for the 4th of July, and I, I hosted a little screening day, and I, I called it Explosion Fest. <laughs> and we watched Commando, Red Dawn, and Rambo, Rambo First Blood Part Two. Yeah. And 
I was shocked to discover that Commando was the one that held up the best. Right. It was the most fun to watch of mm-hmm. those three. And like Rambo First Blood Part Two just fell apart. Yeah. It was just mm. bad. Well, Daniel yeah. Patrick Kelly's in it. Oh, Ray Don so Chong. I mean, it's a really, you know, a fun supporting cast. It's oh, Bill Duke. Bill Bill Duke, the great Bill yeah. Duke. And yeah. just the, the crazy action sequences. You know, it was a great sequence in the old Sherman Oaks Galleria when it was still an indoor mall, you know, where uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was filmed, uh, where there's this chase scene and he's like swinging across the atrium on a on a, on a balloon thing. And yep. I mean, it's crazy. There's car chases, um, you know. Radon Chong screaming the whole way. <laughs> screaming the whole way. Yeah, it's and a, it has so a much. literal ticking clock in it, you know, because he's he's being put on this airplane to fly down to Valverde to do the assassination, and it takes eleven hours to get there. And if his associates there don't check in in eleven hours, they'll know to kill the girl, you know, that he's gone rogue. Doesn't on he him. literally set his watch? Yes, he literally yeah, sets yeah, 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 his yeah. digital watch yeah, yeah. for eleven <laughs> hours, and we cut back to it periodically. God, I remember we had a pitch at Marvel Television, Steve and I, and. Um, I, we were meeting with them, and, and at one point I said, God, you know, I just hope we get to meet Jeff Loeb because, um, you know, I want to talk about Commando. He said, he'll love that. He loves Commando. Oh, yeah, I tell you, in a meeting, I mentioned that in a meeting when I was working on Guardians of the Galaxy, he was in the room breaking stories with us, and I mentioned I loved Commando, and he's like, great, you, you're, you're hired. You're, you're not fired. <laughs> Stay on the show. So funny. Well, that's a, that's a great pick. That's a great way to start. That's, that's a, a perfect Monday. That's a command do, not a command don't. I love the way that, that wakes us up on Monday. You know, you're tired from the weekend. Yeah. You, you want to let off some steam. Bennett. Bennett. <laughs> Puts hair on your chest. <laughs> what, a, what, a great, what a great choice for Monday. So um, Tuesday, oh, Darren's on. Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. Here's the deal. It's also my life. This is a terrible movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's always great when you start with that. I fully admit it. But from the core of my being, I think it's hilariously wonderful. And it's from 1987, and it is... Dolph Lundgren in Masters of the Universe. Oh, Dude. man. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, I can't go there with you. Yes. That. Yes. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get down and brought to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of course. No! distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. It is (laughs) everything you would want to see in an adaptation of toys. <laughs> um, the story is inane. The colors are horrific. The muscles are bulgy. Um, Frank Langella as Skeletor, Skeletor yeah. is ludicrous, yeah, yeah. but it's so great. And, and Shakespearean and mythic and terrible and Billy Barty is atrocious. Um, the, the only time that they, you know, put makeup on him to make him look less annoying. Um, it, it was, it's terrible. Uh, um, 
what's her name? The the girl from Friends is in it. Oh, uh, Courtney it's Cox. Courtney Cox. Yeah, that's right. And and uh, Robert Duncan McNeil yep. that we would later mm. see on uh, on Voyager. It's it has an amazing score mm-hmm. uh, to it by. Um, Oh yeah, it's a great score. It's um, by uh, Bill Conti. Bill Conti, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. And you know, it's just this big, loud fart of Directed a movie. Directed by Gary Goddard. Gary you Goddard. Know, I, I wasn't going to talk crew. about him because uh, you know he's uh, not uh, not in. Uh, a we good can't erase history. We don't have to say you know uh, say you know you have any affection for the man, but that's, he directed right. it. It didn't direct itself. You know. Well, some would argue it did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it has some great production design by William Stout, mm-hmm. and uh, it is it is a, a vast bombastic attempt at this thing. Yeah, and and I was gonna say like you know I watched the the He Man cartoon after mm-hmm. school. I was too old for it, but it was on, and I didn't. I watched cartoons. And this movie was the Masters of the Universe movie we absolutely did not want because <laughs> it does not take place in Eternia. And all those characters that we liked, <laughs> almost none of them are in it. Like suddenly He-Man has crossed over into, is it L.A. it's supposed to be in? Yeah, yeah. He's in L.A. for some reason. And and no sign of Ram Man anywhere. No. <laughs> But look, you got you got you got to acknowledge. I mean, this was made by Canon Films, you mm-hmm. know, which Golden Globus, Golden Globus, and 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 uh, so it was the '80s. You know, same guys that gave you Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Um, it's 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 you know and underfunded. You can't skim millions from a movie that looks like it's cheap. Un- <laughs> uh, 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 under under budgeted, and and you know we've talked about this documentary before. If you really want to have a great uh, two hour ride, watch Electric Boogaloo. Uh, the rise and fall of Canon Films uh, oh, yeah. documentary it was Masters and Masters Universe is prominently featured Absolutely. in that documentary, and you will you will have quite a, a, an entertaining uh, ride on your hands. Well, I could not possibly agree more with this pick um, for for a number of reasons. I, in all seriousness, first, um, I will rise to the defense of the film in this way that the opening of that movie is legitimately cool. Like, the design Mm -hmm. is really cool. And Mm -hmm. you feel like you are about to be in a movie that Masters of the Universe, the toy line, simply does not deserve. And And then then the portal opens. Then the portal opens. (laughs) And it's, did they run out of money? What happened? So in other words, it inspired you to write Thor. Well, you know what's... (laughs) That is the second reason. So... You know, we were in the middle. I forget which draft we were in. And for, for some damn reason, like, I put in Masters of the Universe, and I was watching it, and I had this moment, and I uh, I, I, do I messaged Zach, and I was like, uh, dude, I think we might have just written Masters of the Universe. He's <laughs> 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 like, okay, <laughs> well, nothing to see here. Keep moving. That's <laughs> so funny. Oh, my God. I had never realized it until this moment, and of course you're right. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> That's that, awesome. was a that was a butthole clencher right there. That was a... <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. There we go. I think that was another He-Man character, butthole oh, clencher. Butthole clencher, <laughs> man. <laughs> Well, there were so many great characters from the bench that uh, did not make it into the movie. Stinkor, the evil master of odors. Yeah, or was he the master of evil odors? That's, that's uh, unclear. Manny Faces. Yes. Mecha the... Neck, the guy who could stretch his neck. Wow. Sp- snout Spout. <sighs> So yeah. many, so Wait, many no, missed opportunities. They don't make toy lines like that anymore. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, you know, uh, I believe there there was an episode of uh, the Toys That Made Us yes. about that. And if you haven't seen this documentary series on Netflix, the Toys That Made Us, it's a really fun show where each episode focuses on a different toy line, and it goes. They're about an hour long, and mm-hmm. it, it's a deep dive into the development. Yeah, of that's these certainly toys. one of the one of the better episodes of it. And uh, it's really interesting, like the, the reasons why the toy line was developed, and and how insanely successful it was. Mm-hmm. It was incredibly popular in the mid '80s. And Shira is now, uh, I think, an animated series on Netflix. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's back. That's great. Yeah. So okay, so Master of the Universe on Tuesday. Ashley, Wednesday. <laughs> Guil- Guil- guilty. Guilty. We all agree. Guilty. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I just want to contextualize this by reminding everybody that I'm, <laughs> I'm not really a big fan of 2001. <laughs> 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 uh, my pick for Wednesday. 
is uh, is part of the the Marvel canon. Um, it's uh, but it's you have to put a, you know get, jump in the wayback machine a little bit. You got to go back to 1986 for uh, one of the first big screen adaptations of a Marvel comics character. I'm speaking, of course, of Howard the Duck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like slings and arrows to my heart. Jeez. <laughs> Across the sea of stars lies another world, a world almost exactly like ours. This is where he lives. He's 27 years old, single but searching. Favorite sports, windsurfing and Aikido. Favorite pastimes, cigars and sex. He has everything except fulfillment. And then one night, it happens. Hey, good buddy, are you home? He has a very sudden midlife crisis. He lands in Cleveland. You do know why you were sent to me. Listen to me, small visitor. I can explain how you got here. Maybe you're here for some greater purpose, some cosmic cause. Here, he's forced to reassess his career goals. You went to med school? To explore new relationships. <laughs> to redefine his self-image. Sorry, we don't allow pets on the premises. To adjust to a changing lifestyle. Oh, I pull it out! Until he discovers just who he really is. Oh, no. A duck in big trouble. That's a duck, man! Howard the Duck, trapped in a world he never made. From the man who hated 2001. The man who... I don't hate 2001. But he lo- his, his but love, love for Leah Thompson out... Oh, yes. she was yes. something in that movie. Yes, Fanny, she was. Fanny Dooley dislikes 2001, okay. but loves Howard the, the Duck. Duck. You're just <laughs> jealous that Tim Robbins hit like on Steve's approbation for uh, Bob Roberts. Roberts. So now you want Tim Robbins to, uh, to <laughs> like you on Twitter. <laughs> That's when you right. Say and Leia He's Thompson. brilliant in yes. Howard the Duck. <laughs> Next week on Tim Robbins Week. Uh, no, uh, Howard the Duck. Here's its pedigree. It was um, it was uh, George Lucas was behind, was one of the, the masterminds behind this. Um, Willard, I think. How do you Hike. pronounce it? Hike. Willard yes. Hike. And Gloria, um, Gloria Katz. Katz, who we just lost a couple months ago, yeah. uh, wrote it, and uh, Willard Hike directed it. Right. Um, and uh, it doesn't really work on any level whatsoever, except that it's just kind of so insane. It's entertaining. When, it's not like anything that um, I think that we had seen before or, or really since. Um, uh, it's uh, I don't know how to justify this pick other than I love it, man. It's like <laughs> if I were a duck from another universe, uh, I would cross dimensions just to hang out with Leah Thompson and join her band. Oh yeah, right? you know you know what I think it was. Hmm. I think this was. George Lucas's revenge on Universal for cutting American Graffiti. You know what? <laughs> if only I could have said that I don't like American Graffiti and then had yeah. said this, then yeah. it would have been a little perfect. Except I love American Graffiti. God damn it! Um, well, you know what? This movie, American Graffiti this, was the revenge. The uh, scorpion <laughs> creatures at the end uh-huh. were amazing, mm-hmm. and the visual no, effects. The yeah. effects are, are amazing in the movie, and it's actually got a really good cast: Leah Thompson, who's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's Tim got Robbins. Tim Robbins. It has Jeffrey Jones as yeah. the villain. Come on. Man, yeah. it's like it's got a beautiful. paraglider in it. Yeah. On paper, <laughs> it works Ultra perfectly. Light. It really does. <laughs> um, but I Trapped just, you know, I actually never watched made. it not too long ago, and I was like, you know, this absolutely. To say that it doesn't hold up would be to suggest that at some point in it time did. it did stand up, <laughs> which I don't know that it did. But by God, if I could not stop watching, and I just really enjoyed myself watching it, um, I think at the very least it's. Um, it's worth a watch or worth a consideration just just for the pedigree alone. And here's your chance to pitch the reboot. Right, exactly. And Howard the Duck does in fact yes. appear in I think is the galaxy the tag of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I you know, I have to say it was I think one of the only times I was ever in a theater alone. <laughs> um, I went to see Your mother it. didn't go to this yeah, one. No, no, <laughs> you mean my mother couldn't be there. I I was literally I walked into whatever theater it was in Manhattan and I was the only one in the theater. Um at mercifully <laughs> and, uh, and um, you know, I will say that it was part of this trend of movies in the late 80s where they all ended with this big stop-motion special effects battle, like Witches of Eastwick. Remember that ended with it? It was like a series of these movies that all... It's the pattern for all modern blockbuster movies. <sighs> and, man, I, 
look, I love that character. I love the Steve Gerber comic. I so much about Howard. I love the you know, cigar chomping, acerbic, uh, you know, sob, cynical Howard the Duck. But boy, I hate this movie. Are, 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 you, are you sure this movie didn't inspire Thor as well? <laughs> you know what? On, on some level, maybe it did. Right? Maybe I just oh have goodness. a thing for he heroes comes, who come from other dimensions other, yeah. to Earth. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like that hot setup. Chick. It's a fun setup. I mean, in a world he never made. Right. The other thing I'll credit this movie with is the sheer audacity of it, right? It's mm. you know, if you're gonna you Fair know enough. adapt a comic book, I mean, just saying that you're gonna make this. Like Howard I think when I was count. when I was 15 years old and this thing came out, I appreciated the fact that somebody like did that deep a dive, right? That that was like the pull they made. And they said, you know, what? this is the movie that we're gonna make. Would I have loved to have seen a Spider-Man movie back in 1985? Yes, of course. But you know, it would an X Men movie. But, yes, yeah. I, uh, I. The filmmaking technology was not. It there wasn't ready for it. it and I think Howard the Duck kind of proved it. Yeah. But it it wasn't about the technology. It right. was about the mindset. That's right. It was that's about kind of living about. inside that world, yeah. and that's what I really loved about it in 1986. Right. It was like I just. It whether it held up or not, it was about kind of being inside this world that was different. You know, just for like that little bit of time. Um, you know, again, though, also mainly Leah Thompson. Oh, yeah. I, I tell you, I was uh, when I was working on the Clone Wars at Skywalker Ranch once. We got a, a tour of the archives, the legendary Skywalker archives, and we're walking through. And you know, there's like the original Star Super Star Destroy model. Oh my God! Or you know, there's a whole rack of costumes from The Empire Strikes Back, and we're we're going up and down the aisles. And I get to the end of this one aisle, and I look back, and and picture if you will this room is like it's a warehouse space and it's got those giant shelves that go up like 20 feet it's like costco shelves and i something catches my eye under the bottom shelf it's howard the duck in his recliner in the dark slumped over (laughs) it was was lifeless yeah lifeless it was simultaneously the saddest and funniest thing i've ever seen (laughs) but you'll be glad to know that he is lovingly being cared for in the skywalker archives and i can't wait for that uh, lucas museum to open and uh university of narrative arts because we'll be seeing a lot of those things that those of us who didn't work on star wars tv shows will actually be able to finally (laughs) see so um that's so cool. I will damn the movie with faint praise. I do love the John Barry score and the Thomas Dolby songs. Yeah, Howard um, the Duck. <laughs> okay, maybe I don't love the Thomas Dolby songs, but I like the John <laughs> Barry score, um, which, you know. Um, who did the voice for Howard? It was somebody famous, I, I don't, thought. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I don't. Okay, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. We spent way too much time talking about Howard the Duck as Or it is. not enough time. Oh, but I just, I, I think it, it should be noted that it won a Razzie Award. Mm. <laughs> Oh, uh, shocker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a massive uh, financial success. It, it made $15 million. Yeah. That's American. $7.50 were mine, <laughs> um, sadly. Uh, I, saw it, I saw it in the only THX certified theater in Colorado Springs. Wow. <laughs> and let me tell you, that extra Oomph. X <laughs> helped out. The X is for saving. <laughs> um, God, it's, uh, well, it's a really interesting pick. I mean, that was a hell, you know, I mean, it's no 2001, but um, wow, wow. (laughs) Howard the Duck, great. No, it was a great choice. And, you know, and it'll be interesting to see if Howard the Duck makes it to the MCU at some point. You know? I'm sure he well, will. Well, he's in, he, you know, he made it in, in that cameo. And in Guardians, He's, he's yeah. been worked into a lot of the animated shows uh, recently, too, hmm. so. That's a, no, that he's returning to the zeitgeist. I just wonder if they do do a CGI Howard's Duck, if they'll be able to have him smoke cigars. You know, it's like uh, we're so, you know. That's the thing. That's the thing, isn't it? Uh, that's the real trick, isn't it? Uh, okay, so Thursday. Oh, are Guilty. we agreed? Guilty. 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 Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Guilty as, f- yes. <laughs> <laughs> God, I. You know, after I finally started thinking about these guilty pleasures and, and wrestled, you know, I had a couple of things, but I'm, I'm, there was one that stood head and shoulders above everything else. And you may not be surprised, it, it's, it's another film produced by those legendary filmmakers, Menachem Golan and Globus. Yoram Globus. And, Yoram Globus. and um, uh, you know, Canon Films was knocking them out and making... You're trying to get into the big budget studio business with films like Master of the Universe and Superman 2. They were also 
you know, trying to be competitive on the art house circuit. You know, they made films like Runaway Train, which right. got a lot of acclaim. Another film that they thought would be their pathway to Oscar <laughs> was Norman Mailer's Tough Guys Don't Dance. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, um, interesting pick. <laughs> <laughs> Director Norman Mailer, his own, the only film he ever directed uh, based on Norman Mailer's book, it is one of the most unintentionally hysterical movies, and it's not a comedy. <laughs> but I laughed more watching that movie. And again, I I I I would have probably been the only one in the theater if it had not been for my college roommate who was with me, and <laughs> might have been laughing even harder than I was. Um, and uh... I just received the uh, comment cards from the first screening of my new film, Tough Guys Don't Dance. Bold, innovative, wonderful. Stinks. Why are we talking about that? We can't let it hang out here. Where else can we? A movie not to miss. Giant death orgy with lots of maniacs. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. Something rotten has happened. One of the best and most original films I've ever seen. It was brilliant. One of the worst ever. My grandmother could do better. I agree. You agree on what? Excellent, crazy entertainment. Very funny. <laughs> Gross. Sleazy. Garbage. And it was no small job. Quick turns of plot. Enjoyed having to think. Whoever wrote this has never read a good book. You think it's simple? Well, here, go ahead. You pull the trigger. You're being set up. Set up for what? Murder one. You look at me and see a crude man. I look at you and see a sitting duck. That guy is no chief of police. I want to see you die. I want to make you crazy. Don't ask me how I know. My husband, he's having an affair with your wife. Both sides of my nature are obliged to express themselves. The enforcer and the maniac. And who do we have the honor of addressing? You never met the maniac. Devil made this picture. It, it stars uh, Ryan O'Neill and um, the late great uh, Lawrence Tierney, All right? And um, and uh, Isabella Rossellini, I believe, was in it. And uh, uh, it is, um... oh my god. <laughs> It's no Howard the Duck. I'm seriously, I mean, there's a scene, there's a shot where, I mean, there's a circular dolly shot where it's just Ryan O'Neill going, oh man, oh God, oh man, oh God, it goes on for 10 minutes, just go, oh man, oh God. That's how I felt watching it, too. It's the eternal conflict between God and man. And and Tierney, you know, who, you know, began his career, you know, rough and tumble, alcoholic guy who, you know, in great film noirs, like, Born to Kill, and you know later um, got a, a renaissance when he starred in Reservoir Dogs for Quentin Tarantino. He's the guy. Remember they say, "Oh, he looks like the Thing," which he really <laughs> did. Um, this is a guy when he was filming The Big Goodbye on Star Trek: The Next Generation, right. uh, was so drunk that when he was leaving the studio, he drove through the gate without letting it uh, <laughs> oh go, go, go 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 <laughs> up. And uh, they, they 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 had to jump through hoops to actually get him to be able to finish the episode. Um, that was kind of a Cyrus roadblock. <laughs> hey now, um, that I—I uh, I mean, I, I just remember um, the, the lines. You haven't met the maniac. I mean, there's a scene where they're burying bodies in the um, in the lake, you know, to um, like God bless America or something. Um, it is just—it is so overheated, pulp kind of. It, it's the kind of stuff that in the '40s. You know, you had people like Billy Wilder and 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 Raymond Chandler and stuff writing, and it was artful. But by the time you get to this would-be neo-noir, it's so overheated, testosterone to the max. Um, I mean, there's one point where Ryan, you know, Ryan Neal's just got out of prison, and he talks about how you know nothing untoward happened to him in prison. And Lawrence Tierney, his tough dad, says. I'm glad you took your prison time standing up. I didn't want to ask. <laughs> and it was like, it's, 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 it's just so, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. But there's more, like, great, awful dialogue, pound for pound. And it's just, you see why Norman Mailer never directed another movie. Um, 
but it, it, it's insane. It's very hard to get. Um, uh, I think I have the Laserdisc. I, I, I believe it was on VHS. I don't think it was ever issued on DVD or Blu-ray. You might be able to get it streaming or, or for download. So, But it's worth seeking out because it's so god-awful. <laughs> but wow. great! But absolutely great! I mean, when I saw it in college, me and my college roommate were quoting this movie for freaking weeks after we saw it. because And, and, and whenever something bad happened, it would be, oh man, oh god, oh man! <laughs> Um, but oh I, you know, goodness. I just, uh, I just can't say enough uh, of, of good things about Tough Guys Don't Dance. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if none of you have seen this movie. No. Um, no. And, 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 and you, you know what? You should see it. I, I think that. Um, well, uh, I'll perhaps say Perhaps one day we'll gather around your laserdisc player. My father watched it. Once. <laughs> I can find and it. And I watched about ten minutes of it with him, and then I, foed out of there. So. I mean, it was on cable a couple of years yeah. ago, and I hadn't watched it in a long time because, again, my laser display is no longer hooked up. Uh, and I tried to watch um, watch it for a little. Yeah, 1987, 1987 uh, on IMDb. It's 4.8. Well, that's, that's a that's a banner year for it really these is. movies. Yeah, wow. and um, yeah, Isabella Rossellini, uh, Wings Hauser, of course, was mm, the guy who yeah. says you haven't met the maniac. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Penn Jillette is in it. I'm now oh. I'm, I'm cheating by looking at IMDb. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, oh, Clarence Williams the third is in it. He's great uh, in it, actually. Um, yeah, their description is writer, ex-con, and forty-something bottle baby Tim Madden, who is prone to blackouts, awakens from a two-week bender to discover a pool of blood in his car, a blonde woman's severed head in his marijuana stash, and the new <laughs> Provincetown police chief, Captain Luther Regency, shacked up with his former girlfriend Madeline. As his father Dougie helps him try to unravel the mystery, he is dogged by the psychotic Captain Regency, who has it in for Tim as a car crash that he was involved with in with Madeline has left her unable to have children. Flashing back to the past, Tim remembers the time when he encouraged Madeline to swing with a little Abner... Wait, wait, I gotta finish this. this I'm, I'm, I'm riveted. Uh, a, a little uh, a, a little Abner-ish couple from... Oh, yeah, that's right, the swingers, which from down south, the fundamentalist preacher Big Stoop and Daisy Mayish wife Patty Lorraine, whose ad Tim had come across in Screw Magazine. <laughs> uh, he came across it in Screw Magazine? <laughs> it's on the trip back that the car crash occurs. Since Madeline is incensed that Tim has so enjoyed Patty Lorraine's charms, except for his father, Dougie, who is dying of cancer. Is this supposed to be a condensed version I of the story? So. Tim suspects everyone, including his ex-wife, Patty Lorraine, multimillionaire prep school pal, Wardley Meeks III. Talk about homophobic, by the way. As his performance, it's, it's, it's uh, this whole thing. And it's it's Norm Mailer, I mean, but and, and, and himself of murder. Patty Lorraine has left Big Stoop, married Wardley, left him in a messy divorce, which netted her a rich cash settlement. I feel like anyway, Charles this goes Wilson on. Riley should be stopping Jamie Farr from using the gong right now. <laughs> oh my God. It's so freaking true. It sounds like Hitchcock got super drunk and decided to direct The Hangover. <laughs> I, 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 seriously, I mean, it's. You you know if you love bad movies and you you know you we love bad movies and, and you you know and and or if you're a fan of Norman Mailer, you gotta check this out. It, you know this is like you know how people make fun of uh, Roger Ebert for writing Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Right. This is Norman Mailer's Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So I, I again I but I, it's also his Citizen Kane. It is also <laughs> his Citizen Kane. <laughs> oh my god! I mean here here let's see the quotes. Um, Oh my God, Wardley! Oh my God! Oh my man! Oh my God! No, oh seriously, my God. Oh this is the this is the, the the gay guy who's pretending to be straight, and 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 this is a lot. This is so Mailer-esque, totally homophobic. Madden, take it in your mouth, or you'll die. Will you take my pride and joy into your mouth? Um, <laughs> Madeline Regency, my husband is having an affair with your wife. I don't think we should talk about it unless you're prepared to kill them. And in here they have Tim Madden. This is his response. Oh man! Oh God! Oh man! Oh God! Oh man! Oh God! And that goes on. Um, oh, this and this sure sounds like a winner. Yeah, and then w Wardley Meeks, I am all wrong for this kind of imbroglio. <laughs> That's wow. words to live by. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. And then I will end with this great quote from Lawrence Tierney. Said they ask him, "Should should you drink?" And Lawrence Tierney says, six months ago they told me to stop, or I was dead. I stopped. Now the spirits circle around my bed, and they tell me to dance. I tell them, tough guys don't dance. They answer me, keep dancing. And there you have it. And Tough guys have the don't title. dance. Guilty. 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 Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that brings us to Friday. 
Oh my oh god. god, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, for, I had a couple others uh, in contention. One was, uh, you know, years ago as another one of these screenings that I hosted at my house. We did a guilty pleasures day, and uh, I think Mark was there. I think Darren might have been there as well. Uh, Mark, I believe you showed Looker. I did. I love Looker. We also watched The Last Dinosaur. Yes, with Richard Boone. And Space Camp. Yeah, yeah. But the one I showed, I thought was going to be a guilty pleasure. And then we started watching it, and I realized, no, it's just terrible. And that was 1979's The Villain. Oh, yeah. Starring Kirk Douglas and Arnold Schwarzenegger, oddly enough, uh, in a live-action old Western. Billed as Arnold Strong. Arnold Strong (laughs) as playing the handsome stranger. Uh, and going up against uh, Kirk Douglas as the villain, uh, and uh, it was basically a live-action uh, cartoon, uh, uh, Roadrunner, Coyote and Roadrunner mm. cartoon. And I remember seeing it twice in the summer of 1979 when we were spending a summer in Houston, and and you know Houston. seeing it with my mom and my sister and enjoying it and laughing. And you know when I was whatever 11 years old, it was it was hilarious. Mm. Not so hilarious. So funny later. because that was, I mean, that was probably 20 years ago that we did that. And I remember it like yeah. it was yesterday. And I remember you telling us all, oh, this is great. You guys are going to love it. <laughs> and and I, I remember you realizing like about five or 10 minutes in, like, oh. what have I done? We and, turned it off. I mean, it was like you were like Oppenheimer, you know? Take this off. It like... was so funny, uh, but that movie was terrible. But that was a fun day, and you're absolutely right. I did show Looker, and I still stand by that as a great guilty pleasure. Michael Crichton's um, uh, wonderful film, super dated, um, but you know, awesome. Albert but awesome. Finney. Albert Finney has a, has a great theme song. <laughs> Susan <laughs> Day. Yeah. Susan Looker. That's what. And uh, Kim Carnes, I think, uh, sang the cover version of that. I don't think she sang the one in the movie. And then you have, you know, James Coburn's great as the villain, and Susan Day having a sunshine day. It's about all these models that are going to a plastic surgeon with weird, weird requests, and it turns out that they're trying to recreate them in CGI, right. um, and because they have a super plot to uh, recreate Re- what the president or something, yeah. and. Uh, this is what they, forget Westworld. This is what yeah. needs to be a TV series. Luke, looker, looker, um, and uh, it has this gun that seems to freeze time. And, yeah, um, uh, it's just uh, it's 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 terrible, but delightfully so. Um, and, I'm going to throw one out that that I don't know what the reaction is going to be, but I do believe it's a guilty pleasure because I do believe that the movie is not good. Superman 2. It's funny. I mm. was thinking about that. I I had been thinking about that, too. I don't think that's crazy. No, I agree. I would agree, actually. I, I don't think it is. It's not a good movie, but it has its charms. It does. It We're talking about the Richard List Lester theatrical Correct. version. Correct. You know, any version, actually, because yeah. the, mm. the Donner cut doesn't really no. help it at all. Um, I don't know if I can go. It's anymore. not good. It's It's not good. And we all thought it was great when it came out. Yes. Well, sure. Yes. You know, it's better than the first one. I never said that. I, I did. <laughs> but I I, then I, I, got, I got, I grew up and I realized I was insane. It is the Wrath of Khan to uh Oh, that's Superman. a nice, yeah, a, yeah. A nice analogy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, More popular, it's not necessarily better. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, iconic. Um, well, I mean, agreed. It yeah. changed, of, you know, how we kind of see are Superman mythos kind of forever. Superman. It turned General Zod into a thing, mm-hmm. like the Phantom Zone, really yeah. into a thing. But it also like, has Superman throwing a giant S at him. Well, yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, he does have so many great scenes, like E.G. Marshall, uh, you know, uh, refusing to kneel before Zod, and then you know, kneel and then before kneeling, the, and then kneeling. But still, and you know, it has that great line: "Step out." Would you, you care, care to step, step outside, outside, General? Which I love on Supergirl. They actually had her say that right. uh, <laughs> in in the crossover, where they said, "Would you care to step outside, General?" Which I thought was a great little, uh, you know, homage slash Easter egg. Um, but yeah, but I yeah, don't know. The fish I mean, out of water stuff with the villains is kind of funny. Yeah, landing in the water, but only to a certain frying, point. Yeah. I mean, I I, I uh, mentioned Houston. it. I mentioned it before. Gene Roddenberry's Pretty Mates All in a Row, directed by Roger Vadim. Yeah. But well, I think it's just bad. I don't I think, think there's that, any pleasure. I think you have in that. to enjoy a guilty pleasure. Yeah, and that's I, not I kind enjoyable. of agree. You know what? I would I would say as an example that uh, Billion Dollar Brain, the third mm. in the Harry Palmer series, but not um, be confused with Harry Potter. 
No, definitely <laughs> not. Because you know, If Chris Falls is a really good movie. I think Fear of Berlin is a really good movie. But <laughs> Billion Dollar Brain, you know, about a, a supercomputer. Um, it's a little goofy. It's a little goofy. It's Ken Russell directing, you know, the spy thriller. Michael Caine's still great in it, but it's not a good movie. But I enjoy it. Well, what, my, my second, my backup choice uh, is, can be summed up thusly. Wherever there's injustice, you will find them. Wherever there is suffering, <laughs> they'll be there. Wherever liberty is f- threatened, you will find the three, three amigos. I do not think they were mean. <laughs> but yeah, but I think with the, the dopey comedies, like they were never like intended for right. critic like to be embraced uh, critically as like great movies. I think the difference is that but... this is intended to be stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like with the John Landis comedies, that you're sort of like, or any anything like that. You know, it's like you could say the same thing about Adam McKay. You know, it's like none of those can really be guilty pleasures because they're 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 aiming for lowest common right. denominator. It's like, I think that's a, a cop out though. Caddyshack. I, I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. No, <laughs> I did too. No, it's I, called I, 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 I look. I understand. I understand what you're saying, um, but. Um, yeah, I just, I just kind of feel like those those kind of wacky movies. I, I, I do. But you I, don't need to be guilty. Well, that's right. You know, it was it was it was you know, obviously it was made as a comedy, as sort of a spoof right. on the western genre, and it was released to middling success. Critical, the critics hated it. Um, it did not do particularly well. And I, I just don't. I don't think it's a particularly good movie. Just looking at it as a comedy, it's really not that. But let good. me ask you: because it is kind of beloved now. It is sort yeah. of conce- it falls within the cult classic. Yeah. Like a lot of people love that movie. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Guilty Pleasure. I think is one where you, you, everybody looks at you and like, really? You like that movie? <laughs> yeah, right. You know. And I don't think anyone would say, "Oh, Three Amigos." Oh, um, That's, how and how on earth could you like that movie? No, no one would say that because <laughs> it's, it's likable. Like, um, I, I would say uh, King Vidor's The Fountainhead adaptation of Ayn, Rand, Ayn Rand's uh, The Fountainhead. That's yeah, pretty bad. That, I, I mean, I, that's awful. But, you know, and Gary Cooper giving that big speech about the second-hander right. and all that overheated, overbaked, it's you know, bad, crazy a- Ayn okay. Rand stuff. Yeah. No, it's fun because you have, uh, um, what's her name? Um, uh, yeah. Patricia Neal yeah. is uh, Dominique Franken. It, it's pretty, it's a hoot. Um, okay, I got I, one. I know this one qualifies. Okay. Speed Racer. Yes. That would qualify. Okay. That, that would definitely qualify. Speed Racer, which, uh, you know, there's their, their follow-up on the, from the Matrix trilogy, a big-budget adaptation of the, the anime series, and just lambasted. It was, this was a movie that I think everyone decided to hate before it came out. Yeah. And and even after it came out, like, you know, like it's just like popular opinion just turned against it, like the herd mentality mm-hmm. slammed down on this movie and I went and saw it and I thought it was great and especially mm-hmm. like the first 15 minutes or so is amazing mm-hmm. filmmaking. I it's, agree. It's the movie where they discovered that there were other Crayolas in the box other than green. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, look at all these other crayons. I would say it's, you know, I think it's probably about 10, 15 minutes too long um, but I think it's a terrific movie and I actually don't feel guilty about it I think it's one of those movies that's unjustly maligned it's funny it's interesting to hear you say that because um, I was a big fan of that cartoon the Speed Racer cartoon um I did not see Speed Racer in a theater because of all the, you know, and I tried to watch it on Blu-ray and I, I never finished it. And and just based on you you guys, I'm going to definitely give that another chance and, and take a look at that. I, I can't really uh, weigh in because I've never seen the whole movie. So um, well, that hasn't stopped anyone before. Right. <laughs> uh, for me, um, sort of two things come to mind. First is uh, Remo Williams, The Adventure Continues. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's not a great movie, but I really enjoy the crap out I of it. I do, too. I just watched the, I just watched it a few months ago. Really? Yeah. There's a good Blu-ray set of it. Out. Kate Mulgrew is in it. Yes. Captain yes. Janeway. So there's a Star Trek reference for us. And that great Mrs. climax Columbo. on the Statue Mrs. of Liberty that yeah. was actually shot on the Statue of Liberty with all the yeah. scaffolding. Like, I know, like, one of the stuntmen who worked on that, like, and is just hearing the stories about that are just harrowing. Um, then there's... Uh, I'm getting vertigo just thinking about that. Right. No, it's just so well done. Uh, Joel Gray is... Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, the great Fred training Ward. sequences when Ward. he's... Jesus Christ. Yeah, Fred Ward. Is it Fred Ward? Fred Ward. Fred Ward, yeah. Fred Ward. Okay. Fred Ward is Remo Williams. Okay. There you uh, go. A lot Being of people uh, leading say man, the Fred reason Ward. that movie didn't work is because they didn't cast a bigger actor in that yeah. role. They cast like Bruce Willis. Of course, at that point, it wouldn't have made a difference because nobody no. gave Knew a shit Bruce about Willis Bruce Willis. Um, uh, the uh, Sam Neill opus... Um, Damien, The Omen 3. 
Final Conflict, actually. Final Conflict, you're right. Final Conflict. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yes. Can I throw out two spy movies? Please yeah. do. I'm, we're living the Final Conflict right now, so I don't know, you know, Damien becomes president. Um, so my um, my two spy movies, and I don't know how you guys are going to feel about that. Um, one is the, the recent uh, Man from Uncle. Uh, Guy oh, Ritchie's like Man yeah. from Uncle. I really liked yeah. it. I, it was not well uh, regarded critically or anything you else. Can't, I can't l- go with you on that. <laughs> um, and then uh, Quantum of Solace. Mm. Yeah. The uh, sequel to Casino Royale. I mean, I really like Quantum of Solace. I don't think it's a good Bond movie. You know, I, I wouldn't argue that it's a, a good movie or a good sequel to Casino Royale, and yet I really enjoy it. You yeah. know, I agree. I think that movie, the, it obviously it had the issue of happening during the, uh, during the, the writer's strike. Um, which certainly affected kind of how things went down with the, with a third act. Yes, I thought absolutely. there was a lot of stuff to recommend it. I don't know that Mark Forster was the guy to make that movie, but there were a lot of great scenes and great moments, and it took chances, which I appreciated. Um, yeah. Just the third act, I think, just ultimately And, and that was deliver. the victim of the writer's yep. strike. Paul Haggis had to stop writing. He was doing the rewrite on it. I mean, I do have to say that Quantum of Solace is probably better than a guilty pleasure. Uh, the right Bond movie for guilty pleasure has already been on the show, Moonraker. Like, for me, <laughs> that Moonraker is probably more Agreed. appropriate right. for guilty pleasure, but we've done it on in the shadow of Star Wars week um, so maybe not, not Quantum of Solace I, I like ba- Man, I, Man from Uncle I kind of like um, but oh I got it I got it okay ready see if you agree Life Force Toby Hooper's Dude. Life Force Life Force Life Force I mean it has all the things it's it's awful it's zombies in in in, in England it Two has words, terrible Matilda dialogue May. yeah <laughs> Matilda May obviously um uh, uh, luminous, luminous, she is so <laughs> and, luminous, and, and she's like so luminous. Suns. She glows. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and what can one say but rails back? Yeah, and, and, and rail, <laughs> well, look, I cast rails back in an episode of TV um, for be, just because he'd been in Life Force and the Stunt Man. I'm like, I just want to hear Life Force and Stunt Man stories, and <laughs> it was great because whenever we weren't, he wasn't filming. That's exactly. I I did get great life force and stuntman stories out of him, and he he's he's an interesting guy, and he loved the fact that we you know love those movies. He life force. He was a little surprised, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he had, he had good stories. I mean, it has some really great uh, the, a, a bad dialogue. You know, Peter Firth. It's like there's one point where they're they're talking, and one of the guys, Doctor Valari, has secretly been turned into a vampire, but he's pretending he's not. And he says, you know, I've learned the secrets of. Um, of 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 of, of uh, uh, life after death, and they said, "Are you talking about living after you've died?" I mean, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's like that's not the line, but it's such a great line. It's like it's just awful, and and then there's that great line, you know, um, when Matilda May has escaped from the lab if she sucked the life force out mm-hmm. of the police officer. And it's like we got we got to find the space girl. It says, "Don't worry, a naked woman will not get out of this complex." And it was, <laughs> it's just, it's just, I mean, it is pound for pound, just the most enjoyable piece of kitschy uh, vampire lore and zombie lore. Gigantic spaceship. And it meets the criteria, uh, the, the, not the criterion, the canon criteria. <laughs> I would see the Criterion Collection it, it, version. Life Force was another canon films. <laughs> Uh, um, their attempt to get into the big leagues. It was John Dykstra doing the effects mm-hmm. and Toby Hooper coming off of, uh, you know, his his big... After, oh, after Poltergeist. Well, oh, after right. Poltergeist. Yeah. So this coming was, off the movie that he didn't direct. Yeah. I mean, they threw a ton of money. This was a $30 million movie for Canon Films. Yeah. That was that's huge. huge. Yeah. And Especially it, in That's twice days. what was spent on Howard the Duck. <laughs> and it bombed. But I saw it in a theater with about six people. Um, and... Uh, I love that movie. I watch that movie a lot because I just, it's a, a real great guilty pleasure. Well, all right. Yeah, I, I, I'd I go along with that because I just watched it recently too. Um, I'm not going to go along with love, but I'll, I'll go along with your, your love can carry it for all yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was right around when Haley's Comet was passing and that's where they find sure. the alien vampires in the that, tale of Haley's Comet. That terrible shot of like the space shuttle and it's... Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the British space shuttle. The, yeah. They stole right. it from Hugo Drax. <laughs> yeah. It's the, you know, the crystal coffins next to the space anus. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's all good. Well... The same people who built the original yeah, I know, V'ger. I know, I know. Yeah, there's there are connections. I don't like them, but they're there. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Steve? Sure. Life Force, Life Force, yeah. Life Force. Oh, guilty, guilty, guilty. What a week! We have guys. a week. We have oh, a horrible, is... horrible week. <laughs> it's a hard week. But on some level, it may be our greatest week. Our yet. greatest week. Yet. Wonderfully awful week. This is the week there. I would like sit down, like go home and watch right now. 
<laughs> Monday, Steve. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. Guilty. Tuesday. <laughs> the Masters of the Universe. Guilty. <laughs> Wednesday. Some guy we don't know provides the voice for Howard the Duck. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Thursday. It's Norman Mailer's Tough Guys Don't Dance. Oh, that's guilty. Guilty, guilty. <laughs> and <laughs> and finally. Be, finally, on Friday, <laughs> it's Life Force. Double guilty. Guilty, guilty. <laughs> wow. That is. not love this week? Uh, there are five reasons. Love is a relative word. <laughs> love is never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> Don't feel guilty about enjoying this episode of the 430 movie. And uh, speaking of the 430 movie, we'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of our podcast, wherever you listen. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, we hope you'll check out our sister shows, Inglorious Trexperts, the ultimate Star Trek podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and Disco Nights, a celebration of all things Star Trek Discovery. Also, check out our new uh, Best Movies Never Made, uh, which uh, focuses uh, Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, uh, focus on um, great film projects that never saw the light of um, a uh, projector bulb, including... Uh, Adam Rifkin's Masters of the Universe remake, so okay. that'll be interesting. Uh, meanwhile, if you want to check out previous episodes of 430 Movie or purchase some of our great 430 Movie logo wear, go to 430movie.com or suggest future theme weeks or tell us how we screwed up, because I'm sure you got a lot of guilty pleasures <laughs> yourselves. You can let us know at Twitter um, at 430 Movie Podcast or on Facebook at 430, The 430 Movie. And if you're feeling really generous, please go on Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars. If there were six, I know you'd rate us six, but it only goes to five. <laughs> Finally, a very special thanks to uh, Bill Ritter and Natalie and everyone here at Electric Studios for making the show possible. Until next week, on behalf of Stephen, Ashley, Darren, and myself, Guilty! guilty. This episode is brought to you by the Soylent Corporation. Your taste buds will riot over the great tastes of Soylent Green, the only Soylent made by people, for people, of people. This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.